You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. And my name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor of Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. So we're going to start a new conversation this week about the topic of staffing. Wonderful. Specifically overstaffing. Before we get to that... Here's our question for the week. All right. You have not heard ahead of time. No, but you. But I picked. But I picked in light of who I know you to be. Okay. What was your mother's signature dish growing up? Ooh, it's a good one. I don't know. Mine would have. My mom's would have to be enchiladas. Okay. Both green and red. Oddly enough, real good. Her enchiladas came up on. Our episode last week when I talked about my oh, surprise yeah, your birthday, birthday party. That's right. Two times your mom's yeah. enchiladas have. She's a big come deal. Up, apparently, <laughs> and well, the enchiladas are anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I had a few things that I really thought were go to. I loved, loved like my mom's spaghetti, mm-hmm. and it was like regular spaghetti noodles and yeah. prego, yeah, meaty that. She added ground. Unless your mom's old school Italian, your everyone their mom is their favorite spaghetti, and it's always trash. Yeah, it's just, and it's like to this day, like I've still your favorite. Like your wife makes her sauce from scratch and things, and there's just been some times where I felt like, what's wrong with the jar? I just like (laughs) prego meat is sort of my jam. So when I'm having a real fat kid moment, I Mm -hmm. will buy some prego meaty. So specifically, was the prego meaty, huh? I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know why, but that kind of grosses me out. Yeah. Well, the there meat was in meat a jar. in the jar. That's yeah. a little weird. And it just sat on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't seem right. <laughs> well, it probably wasn't, but they still exist. That's true. And so does Prego Meaty. So that's it must true. Be, not be bad for you. I don't know. Yeah. That's a interesting Logical. working logic. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> You're starting to see some of the uh, reasons I am why I am. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So we're going to talk about staffing okay. and uh, opinions about staffing abound. Uh, a lot of people have opinions mm. about who you should staff first, how that should go. Yep. But that is, I think I always want to emphasize that is what they are. They're just opinions. Yeah. And so there aren't like hard and fast rules. There's no like Pope of church staffing that gets to definitively decide how things should go. So what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks is share our opinions about what we see to be a tendency to overstaff in churches. Okay. I was going to, I was thinking about this. Do you, do you think that this is primarily, we're not specifically talking about like mega churches with like 400 person staffs, right? right? I don't even yep. feel qualified to speak to that. Okay. So what, <clears throat> what size we're going to talk about what we see as a problem of overstaffing. Sure. And so I was wondering just by way of framing it, if mm-hmm. there's a particular church size or maybe a church range size mm-hmm. range where you see this as most common before we even get into like mm-hmm. why it's a problem. Yeah. So I think new church plants that are growing. Yeah. Uh, and then really any church less than 500. Yeah. That's what I, I was think thinking for too. Sure. Was yeah. somewhere in that range. Yeah. All right. So next week we are going to talk about what we believe are some of the drivers behind 
a tendency to overstaff okay. in churches. But this week we want to discuss why we think it's such a problem to be overstaffed. Okay. We're not anti-church staff by any means, but being no. overstaffed is a, is problematic for a number of reasons. So we'll jump right into what is probably the most obvious one. And that's Mm. the financial burden that it puts on, on churches. And I mean, we've experienced this firsthand in hindsight, we would both look at our time at, especially our last few years at redemption and say, we were probably overstaffed. Totally. I mean, yeah, based on the size of our church, we had three like full-time staff members. So at that point, how much of our like oh, how much man. of our percentage wise, how much of our giving would have been tied up in staffing? Do you think I'd have to pull it to know for sure. Would you guess in the like 70 to 80% range? Oh yeah, I think so. Maybe even close to 85. It's possible. I mean, it was, uh, so we were a mobile church uh-huh. the entire time we are, we were there. They aren't anymore. Right. So that's, that's fun for them. Um, that's a different episode. <laughs> yeah. It's called bitterness. <laughs> yeah. 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 Bitterness and ministry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think beyond, so we had staff, and then we had our rent at both our ministry center and that, and that was 100%. Right. And so the problem with that is it hinders any ability to do ministry that demands funds. Like there's a lot of ministry that demands money. Mm-hmm. And if it's all bound up in staff, you don't have any. And I, I understand that you could make an argument, well, people are doing ministry, but you're like, well, yeah three yeah. of us were. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there was a lot more ministry that could have been done beyond that. That as we look in hindsight, we would go like we, and we are now at Ridgeline doing it significantly different than that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just think that I, uh, as the executive pastor at the church, I just, it was your uh, fault. Well, sure. Yeah. Now yeah, that sounds good. That's right. That's um, where I think you should land that yeah, sentence. <laughs> yeah. As we have always said, we'll get, we'll, we'll do some episodes on a relationship at one point. One of the things that will come up again is if your life has been changed, you call the lead pastor. And if you're irritated about the temperature, you tell the XP and that's just, it that's be. just life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is what it is. So, uh, no, but I, I do think that we just, uh, were in a situation where we couldn't do anything. And I was just constantly thinking about, I think the other challenge is that as, um, giving ebbs and flows for different reasons and different seasons. I mean, you're always contemplating, do we let somebody go, mm-hmm. you know, or a pay cut or something like that. I'm and having to wonder, especially if you're not, I mean, if you're lead pastor, theoretically, I guess you're like on the top of the totem pole. Sure. But if you're not, you're kind of sort of always doing the math on like, is it, am I next? <laughs> right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and trying to figure that out. I'm not a big fan of pay cuts because they mm-hmm. just really change the way people interact with their job. Yeah. And I know that so many people have experienced a pay cut through this season, but yep. it just, it does. And I have really, uh, any pastors that have been wondering about that, my advice is always, I think it's time to look at what position we might not need versus mm-hmm. cutting the pay of everyone. everyone yeah. It just doesn't, it doesn't come off right. Yeah. I'll say like in my first vocational, I was a worship pastor first mm. and, uh, our church had been through a high season. And then we were in a low season where the founding pastor had resigned. It was a whole chaotic mess, but my cut, my pay got cut mm. in the midst of it. And, uh, and it did it like I went to Starbucks. I was working at Starbucks overnight. Oh, that's right. And, uh, it was, and I just felt no, I don't, I mean, I just was like, I'll be here when I can be here. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you cut my pay. Sure. So you, you can't cut my pay and demand the exact, uh, the exact same amount of time and effort and focus and attention sure. when I have to work a secondary job to provide. To, for your to provide. Yeah. 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 And it just does, it creates, 
Uh, I mean, because then if you start from that point and give raises, people will always think of like, well, all you're doing is taking me back to zero basically. Right. Exactly. So it's weird. So I think, I think more the importance is ensuring that you are properly staffed for the size church you are and the ministry needs that actually exist. Yeah. So another problem would be, it can be a poor stewardship of people's capacities. Oh, sure. So I think about we were doing a podcast together, somebody else's podcast last yeah, week, and yeah. you referenced this and I hadn't thought about it in a while. But there was a point where like the great thing about what I think the arrangement that we have now is you live here in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. you are a pastor at Ridgeline, yeah. and your real job, quote unquote, is yeah. that you run my XP. Absolutely. Which people can find more out about at myxp.church. That's right. It's a free plug. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, and so the reason I think that's really great is that you're not just the executive pastor of a hundred and who knows post COVID what we are yeah. of a, um, a young, small, brand new church. Right. Because that is what you were at redemption full time. Yes. And there was a, we had real great church picnics. Yeah. Thanks to you. Mm-hmm. But I believe the number that you quoted the other day was there. It came to a point where you spent 16 hours on a fruit salad. Is that right? Yeah. So I had put together like a team and we had a fruit salad team. Well, no, I was a picnic team. Oh, but okay. They like came over to my apartment. Yep. I still remember exactly who was there. And I had gone to Costco and, you know, you can get fruit salad. You could have people bring fruit salad. But I like wanted this to be like the world's best picnic. <laughs> And so we had gotten all fresh fruit and sat and cut and cut and cut. And based on the number of people we had coming, we like cut for hours. And then I like stood back and did the math. And there was just something about it. That's what really started the the clock as far as me feeling like it might be time to move on beyond mm-hmm. uh, what God had called me to at Redemption uh, at that point, because I had spent. So, I mean, I had like literal schematics for yeah. how we should lay out all of the food for the picnic. Yeah. Uh, it was just optimized workflow. Mm-hmm. As far as like what, you, you know, and, and I'll never forget the year I decided to put toppings on a totally different table because not everyone tops their hot dogs and <laughs> hamburgers. And I just I, like, I would sit back and just watch with such satisfaction yeah. because people would move through the, I mean, and the feedback was great. Mm-hmm. And by Monday, everyone had forgotten yeah. the fruit salad. And this is a great real time example of what it looks like when someone's capacity has surpassed the needs of their current role. Ah, yes. And so when you have too many staff members and people's responsibilities are divided too specifically and narrowly. Sure. Sometimes this is what happens. Sure. I also think the other side of that coin though is like thinking in terms of, so on one end you might have someone. So if you're overstaffed, Mm -hmm. you might have someone who, uh, their capacity exceeds the needs. I think on the other end, though, oftentimes when you're looking to staff, and we'll talk about some mm-hmm. of the reasons why in the next couple episodes, but when you're looking to staff, you are staffing with whoever you got because you're probably or possibly not like at a existing place, people on your team or yeah, or anyone you can find to do the work for the amount yeah. that you're willing to pay them. Yeah, because I think oftentimes you don't necessarily have an actual salary for someone. And so a couple of things. One, you find someone super part time contract or whatever, just Mm -hmm. someone with a good voice or someone Mm -hmm. with, you know, that's good with kids or something like that. uh, And you pay them like the most you possibly can, which is hardly anything. And oftentimes the challenge though, is that you and your expectations bring like full-time staff member expectations to someone who doesn't necessarily have the competency for the role. Yeah. I think the 
other thing to keep in mind is when you do go from someone who's like a stellar volunteer and like is setting them up and knocking them down, it's so important to keep in mind that just because you made a good volunteer doesn't mean you'll make a great staff member. It's really good. And I think that um, in some cases it can, uh, it definitely will change your relationship with that person yeah. and can sometimes ruin it, you know? And um, there's just countless stories of people who like uh, were great at the church, super connected, plugged in, went on staff and then ended up uh, leaving their employment and leaving the church. And uh, it's just, it's not always the best, like yeah. uh, kind of growing someone into a paid role. That's not always the best uh, kind of track record for them. And I would say, I know that there are times when, <clears throat> like, so that, let's say you, you get hired as a staff member at a growing church. There, there is a time I know when a, what's the right way to say it? When the, com, as a church grows, mm-hmm. roles tend to become more complex. Okay. Capacity needs to be, and competency needs to continue to rise. And sometimes people hit a ceiling where okay. they can't continue to grow through all of those phases. And sure. I don't think that's always wrong. I think what is problematic is the calloused way that I hear a lot of ministry leaders in larger organizations talk about that as mm. if those aren't real people who gave blood, sweat, and tears to serve Jesus at the church. And then sadly can't move up in to whatever the need is in this like next season of growth or whatever. And it's just, sometimes I just hear that talked about in such a callous way or like, well, they just couldn't do it. Well, that's a person. For sure. A person that like helped you get from here to there yeah. and maybe can't take you to the next stage. But yeah. and, And, and all the while, maybe that person should have just stayed an awesome volunteer. Right. Yeah. It's a, I I think it is always a risk. You are rolling the dice when you hire. It's one of, I I think there's pros and cons to hiring externally and internally. Sure. One of the cons is for sure you're rolling the dice on damaging that person's love of the church experience with it. Like it it just goes from being like, this is my church where I love to serve to now this is my job. And that is just anyone that's ever made that transition. It's totally different. Yeah. You think, you think completely different about the whole thing. For sure. I think uh, another thing to keep in mind is um, you're wasting funds on roles that don't really need to be paid. Yeah. I, know? Everyone, I don't look at church websites very much. You look at them way more than oh, I do because yeah. of my XP. <laughs> I don't even know why I would be on a church website, but occasionally sure. I'll be on one and it'll be, usually it'll be like uh, someone I know who's like a newer church plant inside of a couple years and I'll yeah. go on their like staff page. Okay. There's like 46 people on there. Sure. And I'm always like, how, how in the world are they affording to pay sure. these 46 people? Yep. And then oftentimes come to find out everybody's getting paid like two hours a week totally, or whatever. Yep. And that's just a, I guess we can talk about this from a few different angles. I want to know sure. the angle you want to think about it from. I just always look at that and I have this thing of like, why do you have to pay this person five hours, like five hours a week to get that five hours of work? Sure. And I don't, uh, are we just taking advantage of people in our own church? Because I feel like mm. the people in our ch- church serve without complaint. Sure. And I mean, we're not a- abusing anybody and like taking 20 hours of life from people or anything like that. Right. I just feel like I, I don't remember here redemption or anywhere where I ever needed to pay someone to do two to three to four hours of work. Sure. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that sometimes we can rush to something that's not necessary like that. Absolutely. Um, And I do agree. I think that um, being in a situation where you are um, 
just asking people like, are they willing to serve beyond that? And I think part of what's hard is, so I'm single and I believe that even biblically I should use the extra time I have for my single, or not for my singleness, mm-hmm. I do the extra time I have to like move <laughs> what, the mission. What would that from, even look I like? More Netflix? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, to, to utilize that to uh, serve Jesus faithfully with mm-hmm. my time, that, I mean, I don't remember the last time I served any less than that. Mm-hmm. I, I, like it just wouldn't make sense in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there are people in your church that are willing to serve. And I think one of the things that uh, I, I know we'll probably do a series on or something like that, but, um, and we have just continued to divide the workload amongst yeah. more and more people so that the burden doesn't fall on any, you mm-hmm. know, I think it's it's just way too easy to have one volunteer who's uh, serving at a high capacity. And every time something new comes up, you give it to them and Mm -hmm. give it to them versus like, all right, so who else can help support this and who else can be a part of this and that type of thing. Uh, And so I think that that's for sure one of the ways that we're wasting funds. uh, I think, I think we have taken at least uh, according to a lot of counsel and uh, I think pattern that I've seen in that we've taken an unconventional approach in that we really don't have like any leaders. (laughs) Yeah. Over stuff in the traditional sense. We have people who I would, who I would advocate that they lead very faithfully oh, in our yeah. church. Yes. Yeah. But we, we don't we have, have like leaders at our church. Yes, we don't have, but not declared like declared roles. Yeah. Like, or titled leaders no. where if you were to go, go to our website, I think there's a blurb about me and there's a blurb about you. Yeah. Because we've got we're, a couple of people who moved here. Yeah. yeah but. but by and large, we don't have this long <laughs> list of every single director and deacon and you know, yeah. all these 100 yep. different things that people could be. Right. And, uh, and I, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's not the best way to do it, but it's worked really well for us. Yeah. And I think that we've, um, I think that more people feel, I, the reason I would advocate for it is I believe that it makes more people feel that they are making a meaningful investment sure. into the ministry of the church. The second thing I'd say is the moment that you title someone mm-hmm. and you give them like a specific on the website, this is what you are. It's the same thing with the like hiring them thing. Mm-hmm. Even if they're at a volunteer, if you have to take the title away, I just, I, I, I think, I think one of the most uh, reoccurring lessons that I've seen over the last, let's say five, six years is what a small amount of power can go to a person's head. Oh man. And as a side note, this is just, this is for free. This is a lesson I have learned through years of painful decisions on the other end. Yeah. Unless somebody is like paid probably full time on your staff, don't give them an at your church email address. Yeah. Because when, when somebody trans, even if it's like generic, like guest services at ridgeline.church or something like that, when, when somebody transitions out of that role, that is, uh, for whatever reason, it feels is, like you're being dumped or fired, right? It, it, it stings in a way that you have to deal with. And it, you're just like, so when you, you know, when I left Starbucks, the email address, of course, wouldn't be mine to take, but right. that doesn't work the same way, especially if someone stays at your church. And so I just think that, uh, <laughs> Pump the brakes on the email yeah. thing. Yeah. Just because Google non-for-profits allows you unlimited email address users. Doesn't mean you should use Doesn't them. mean you should use That's them. That's right. Yeah. So yep. one thing I know you really advocate for then is that we should really, because I think some people would say, well, there is, if we don't hire someone mm-hmm. to do a certain amount of ministry, yeah. we are not going to be able to do that ministry. Yep. And our response to that in this season would be like, oh, cool, <laughs> next. Well, cool, next, or... Um, 
when someone comes, I think people are starting to learn when they come to us at Ridgeline with an idea for ministry, they better have some space on their calendar to be able to to lead that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I think that uh, whether uh, empowering people during non COVID times with meetups or different things, like I, I love whatever it is you want to do and like, let's have it at your house Yeah, and let's, I mean, (laughs) we've had, we've had a couple of people that have, have moved on from Ridgeline Absolutely. because they wanted a ministry to exist at our church, sure. but they did not want to make that ministry happen. They which, wanted us to do it. Right. Which sometimes, unfortunately, what you find is that people like the idea of attending a church yep. that says it does some things. I think that, so one of the things that we have found is just uh, some like local outreach things. Mm-hmm. Some of those types of things, depending on what you do, it can be messy. It can pull people out of their comfort zones mm-hmm. and those types of things. And everyone wants to like like on Instagram or retweet the awesome, really servicey thing their church did. I find it hard as heck to get anyone to show up yeah. for those days. I think the thing that I've always challenged our church with is like everyone wants to go to a church that serves the city, but very few people in the church actually want to serve the city. Yeah. And that's that, a better way to say all the words I just said. Yeah, but that's how our relationship <laughs> that's works. That's true. That's true. I'm just summarizing your brilliance. <laughs> just think of it like that. Uh, it sounds like just like diarrhea of the yeah, mouth. Not inco- but, it's yeah. not incoherent babble. No. Well, not if you can summarize it so, <laughs> that's right. so handedly. But yes, so that's yep. our, our thing is like we are really committed to only doing mm-hmm the ministry that our church can do. And that's not to say that there would never come a time where we are going to need to hire more staff, sure. but we'll get to that in the coming weeks on like, how do we, how do you do need based hiring? Cause I, I would say like, <laughs> I'm super pro faith. Let me just say yeah. that on the front end. Cause this is going to sound like super Debbie downer, but I just feel like there are some atrocities committed by pastors in the name of faith. Oh man. Especially when it comes to financial stewardship. Yeah. Just because you baptize a decision in faith does not mean it's like a spirit led decision. Sure. And I think we should be so careful about, you know, the language of like, this is what God wants us to do. And yeah, and because you're just, you're putting words in God's mouth that maybe he never said. Absolutely. I think uh, you have said over the years, you know, the interesting thing about hearing from the Lord or hearing from the Holy Spirit is that he sounds an awful lot like me yeah. and the things I want to do. Yeah. And so I'm not saying it can't happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying that the frequency with which it happens is not the same at that which it's professed. Yeah. That was good. Boom. I feel that like was summarized. I could tell you, I could, I could feel you trying so hard to get the sentence out because you felt this is going to unravel at any moment. <laughs> it's possible. I could have just trailed <laughs> off and started talking about shiny things, but whatever. That's true. Uh, I w- uh, so another thing mm-hmm. we think makes it problematic is that it focuses staff on specialized Ooh, roles yeah. too early. I know that this is mm-hmm. like a hot button thing for you. So you, you talk about that first. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, what I see happening in the church world is that there's this like singular pain point, yeah. uh, this idea, like, and maybe it's, uh, again, oftentimes like, so people in the church have feedback. I think that sometimes, uh, you know, the average pastor quits based on four or five people mm-hmm. in their church. And I think the same thing, like oftentimes we hear a voice or two and think of it. 
it is everyone thinks this. Yeah. Or those voices will say, well, I've been talking to a lot of people. Yeah. What they mean is that last night while falling asleep, my wife and I were discussing and, <laughs> right. and said this. But regardless, you can have this idea in your mind that something is a huge issue and it's a niche type thing. Mm-hmm. And so then you go about uh, staffing that area. I think on the other end, there's a lot of uh, church planting networks out there and it seems like each one has its own bent or focus on who should be hired first. Mm-hmm. And like, until this role exists at your church, it just is not going to, uh, not going to accomplish what God's called. It, it just, it creates this, uh, mentality that you've got to have this thing. And so then, uh, you will do anything to get this thing. And so let's say it's a worship person, somebody yep. for your worship ministry. All you're looking for is someone who can like, typically play the guitar and has a really good voice. Mm-hmm. And regardless of the rest of their life, mm-hmm. that doesn't matter what they know how to do, what they're, uh, what you're going to move them across the country for. Just so many different things. Mm-hmm. Those things are secondary to the idea of, I've got to, I've got to solve this need. Yeah. And meanwhile, you've then spent a full-time salary on someone who can do something that largely takes up a few hours a week. And I'll, let me, so let me just say, so I was a full-time worship pastor mm-hmm. and I think, you know, there's oftentimes historically there's been conflict between lead pastors and worship pastors, mm-hmm. uh, largely because they don't understand one another. Um, especially there's so many lead pastors I know that don't know anything about music. So it's all like voodoo to them. Yeah. And so as a result, worship leaders have been able to go, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's taken me like at least 50 hours a week to write these four chord charts. <laughs> and so let me just say, as someone who was a worship pastor and sure. does understand music, that's not how long it takes to get your set ready for the weekend. No. Or you don't deserve to be paid because you're so bad at your job. <laughs> well, and for like $29.99 a year, you can uh, subscribe to Song Select through yeah. CCLI and it'll do you. Do it. Do it for you. Like, yeah. so the church that I was a worship pastor at, um, at our height, we were like 350, 350 people, two services. And I was the worship pastor overseeing those teams, mm-hmm. leading on the weekend. Yeah you know, preaching on my pastor's off weeks and serving as basically an, uh, an associate pastor doing premarital counseling, overseeing the children's ministry and those volunteers. And, and so I just, I say that from a place of, it's not that I don't understand the role. It's that some, there is not enough work for right. a full-time role right. in, in certain things. And I, I would say, like I've talked to, I've friends that work in very large mega churches. Mm-hmm. I've talked with them openly about this and they're like, yeah, at our level, we're paying for people's availability, mm-hmm. which that I get like, sure. Whatever. I'm, I'm not saying it's, it's not a matter of right or wrong. No. It's just it not, just is. it just is. And I would say if you're ch- I would argue if your church is a couple hundred people and you're paying for one person's availability to be able to sing four songs well on Sunday, just mm-hmm. reconsider there might be a better way to steward those funds. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I think that, um, uh, one of the things that you should do as a lead pastor is make a list. So especially if you're a church planter, maybe uh-huh. you're a staff of one or two, making a list of all of the things that you don't feel like God has called or equipped you to do, the things that you're not good at, the things, all of those. And it's not even things you can't do. It's just, you know, I always think of like things that fill your tank and things mm-hmm. that like drain you dry. And I think you have to make a list of those things that like really like empty your tank mm-hmm. and then like hire to that. Yeah. Not And, 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 and evaluate. I know you're going to make this point, but also evaluate, does that demand a full-time hire or could there be like an outsourcing or some other option? Cause sometimes it is not, even if you don't like to do it, you still don't have to hire someone 
$60,000 a year to do the two things you don't like to do, there might be a better way. Well, and interestingly enough, in the event that as you make that list, things like financial management and and admin and processes and systems, getting people connected to your church, all you know, financial stewardship, budgeting, mm-hmm. all of those kind of if things. If only there was a company that if existed. If only there was a company. <laughs> MyXP.Church. No, no, genuinely, though, I think that's yeah. one of the reasons that we started it is because, uh, you know, not to go too far on a tangent, but far too often the executive pastor role or operations director or whatever role you're comfortable giving the person at the time that you like put them in the role, it is someone who has no qualifications for the role and they have just largely shown their ability to like manage a calendar. Yeah. Now you're not, you're one of those pastors who has the ability to do some of those types of things. I also know some pastors who just are like administrative nightmares. Mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you a calendar is not that difficult of like a Rubik's cube to solve. Yeah. And so just because someone can do it doesn't mean that they like are the like yin to your yang or yeah. whatever, you know, uh, I think that, um, uh, I really, is it yin yang or yin I don't know. Yang? I wasn't going to help you at all because I could see your face and I could feel you I, I losing panicked. it. And I wanted to see what and was going like to happen. it's not even sort of Christian, but regardless. <laughs> Buddhist. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, fi- it's, it's fine, something. man. There's mm. common grace. Maybe we learn something from oh, the yin and yang or yin and yang. thrown out of the church. That's fine. <laughs> oh, great. But no, I, I, in, in, in reality, though, like, I think... That's what I meant earlier about finding someone who doesn't bring a level of expertise. And we Mm -hmm. find that all the time. Uh, The countless churches that we have taken over for either just bookkeeping or the full service that we provide with remote executive pastor support, uh, the things are a nightmare that we're finding Mm -hmm. and and really poorly done. Things that don't align with like, you know, like some of the law standards that we need to abide by, all of those kind of things. And that's where the outsourcing is such a great idea because you don't have, you're probably paying someone the same kind of part-time amount, maybe more depending on their qualifications, Mm -hmm. but you are getting the quality of work from somebody who's an expert in the area. And I think especially in this season where we have done so much remotely, so much online, I think that originally uh, MyXP, there were a lot of churches who liked the idea. I also got some feedback that it seemed really weird that some of these things would be handled remotely and how do they feel comfortable on that. And so uh, this season for that type of thing has actually been a positive because Mm -hmm. it's helped people rethink how ministry can can be done remotely. Totally. And I think whether it's a uh, graphic design, whether it's like video work, there's a lot of those types of chores that are be- being needed done. And it doesn't mean you need to go find somebody and hire them. Totally. One, you might have a single person like myself in your church who's like skilled in some of these areas. Maybe they do video work at their job and they're willing to do it in addition to that. Or maybe uh-huh. they have a hobby. They like uh, dinking around on, on stuff. And you might say, well, hey, we bought a cool camera. You can use it. Whatever it might be. I think there's lots of options that happened before actually hiring someone. Totally. Because the other nice thing about going with an outsourced person is it's really like, so even with my XP, it's kind of like a gym membership. I need a 30 day notice from yeah. the billing date. That's it. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about the impact that that's going to have the ripple effect on <laughs> that person's family in the right. church, what they're going to say in their small group, how that's going to impact people. You can just decide, you know what, this was a service that we used for a while and it no longer fits our needs. And so we're moving on no harm, no foul. Right. And I just think that sometimes, especially early on, when you think about like replacing someone or the impact that can make to the church, man, you just have no idea the ripple effects that some of that can make. And so I think it's a really, really great option for churches when they have stuff that needs to be done that just can't be done by any rando volunteer. Yeah, no, that's good. So as we kind of, as we bring this to a close and Mm -hmm. people are listening, 
and and maybe our go ahead. Well, so the other thing I just wanted to hit on that really quick, that uh, previous topic of like focusing on the specialized roles too early uh-huh. is that idea of hiring leaders. Oh, yeah. I think that as you as you look to hire someone, if you're going to hire someone like uh, it's not even a mag- manner a, a matter of a specialized skill as yep. much as it's someone who can fill in in any place. Yeah, because the truth is, so much of what we do in the church, there are some specialized things. Mm-hmm. So if you hire a leader who you want to fill in the gap of worship and they can't sing at all, that's not going to work out. Right. But you could hire a leader who handles the scheduling and the, uh, you know, all the programming and all of those kind of things, and rely on volunteers who right. who've got who God has gifted with a voice and and musical skills and those types of things. But I think. Looking for and making sure that things like interviews and things, uh, all of your questions and and all of those kind of things are focused on like I need I need a partner in ministry yeah. more than anything else. I need someone to help me bear the load. And regardless of what that looks like, are you the person for the job? Yeah, be be like leery about hiring a worship person who has a band that they've mm-hmm. led worship with, yeah. but they've never actually led anyone. Yeah, like yeah. In, in any real sense. Yep. I just think, I agree. I think that that's, and I think, I mean, I don't mean to sound like, you know how much I abhor when people are the hero of their own illustration, Mm -hmm. but I do think, so everything I'm about to say, there was nothing glamorous about it. But the reason I think that I was a good hire at that first church was that I think if there was anything that I quote unquote specialized in, it was leading. Sure. And so it wasn't just this one niche thing. I mean, I was a mediocre singer at best, mediocre guitar at uh, definitely at best. Thank you. (laughs) On a good day with the full moon out and And auto tune on. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just, just for anyone worried about my humility. (laughs) Fair enough. But, but yeah, but I think Mm. like, and that's what I was passionate about totally was leading people way more than any one specialized thing and and learned that through the role. But I think that's one thing that you've really always done a real, a great job of is just thinking about that, that and being very mean to me. Oh yeah. So yeah. If the abuse flows one way in this friendship, it's you to me, right? Sure. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's, let's think about closing. So people have been listening to this and, uh, and I just wonder if someone out there might have the like, holy crap, am I overstaffed? Yeah. That kind of question. Okay. So what would you say just in closing are oh, a couple of signs that potentially you're overstaffed? Yeah. Well, I think the first one would be um, if you spend a lot of your time wondering what the person you've hired is doing. Like if you look <laughs> at the deliverables, mm-hmm. uh, to use a business term, but mm-hmm. if you just look at what they do and you just feel like, especially in your situation, mm-hmm. having been in the role before, you're like, all right, so I know the amount of time mm-hmm. that that takes. And uh, four songs, you're missing one of four <laughs> chord charts. That seems problematic. <laughs> you forgot to print this week. That was one of the three things. But but I I, I, I do think it's fair to say if you're regularly wondering about that, and yeah. and and it's not just. And again, I'm not giving justification for the bosses who are just jerks. Yeah, and they think that nobody works as hard as them. I think genuinely, if you just start trying to lay it out end to end, and there are just so many holes. Yeah, in in the time and energy and that kind of thing that uh, somebody investing. I think that's for sure one of them. Yeah. And I I, I would go back to like what we talked about at the top and just, if you find yourself so financially strapped that you can't do the ministry that you really believe God's put on your heart to do because you're just so, you have so much of your budget that is bound up in staff. I think that might be a sign that 
you need to make some cuts yeah. or do something different. Yeah. I mean, so a great example is we were in a situation, uh, everyone's quarantined in a way and all of that. And we wanted to just like give our church something that we thought would just help them know that we're thinking about them and all right. of that. And so we have some talented designers on our team, not mm-hmm. paid team, yep. but just on our team. And they came up with this idea of like never alone. Uh, and then technically the words, I came up oh, with well, the idea. Okay. They came up. I mean, sure. I'm just saying like, if we're I keeping score. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, of course, all the ideas are yours. Uh, regardless, um, so they have a design and, and yep. all of that. And uh, we were able to take a look at that and just decided to bless our church. Mm-hmm. Like everyone in our church spent, you know, I don't know, hundreds of dollars on a T-shirt. And it wasn't even like a thought to like, should we do this or not? We weren't like, you know, we ended up dropping them off on people's doors. We put on a, like a little tag that was like a handwritten note from you mm-hmm. to people. And uh, it was something that I know based on feedback, yeah. like blessed our church beyond measure. Yeah, uh, It's something that people like wear and post on social media yep. and just thinking about like the fact that we are apart, but never alone, all of those yeah. kind of things. And uh, we could have never, never done that at our No matter how many church. coops you use, oh, no man. matter how many credit card points you keep track of. No, I mean, it would have been something where it would have been like, you want the shirt? Cool. Click this link and make payment and then yeah. and cover the credit card processing fee and the shipping. Right. And then, because we just didn't have it, it wasn't trying to be stingy there. Just like the bank account would have been empty. Yeah. I don't think so, we've ever, this can be our singular claim to fame at Ridgeline. I don't think we've ever charged our church for a t-shirt. Well, and now I feel like do we, now we can't because we just claimed yeah. it to fame. I mean, I didn't say that we never would. Oh, okay. I yeah, just yeah. said we never have. No, no, we haven't. Absolutely. And but I but think truthfully, that, I do, I, I think too, one of the, because the way that your role has worked both here and at, at Redemption, you did bear so much of the weight of financial stewardship because totally. you were making so many of those decisions. Yep. And I know that's one of the things that drove you to almost insane forms of of trying to like cut every corner that we could and do everything as cheaply as possible, no matter what the demand was on you personally. I just remember yeah. these absurd sacrifices Mm -hmm. that you would make. And and it's noble that you're willing to do that. It's also our point today is like, it's unnecessary. Sure. I mean, I would cook for hundreds of people. (laughs) Hundreds of people, like you were a chef. Hours and hours and hours of time. And even as we moved into the ministry center here, one of the things you were really passionate about is that we didn't have like a full scale no kitchen. No full kitchen. Yeah. Uh, we have we have like a, a wash sink. That's it. Somehow so, though, you went to Costco and you got some real big grill well, and you still end up cooking it, for too many people. It, it's okay to cook every once in a while. Okay. I mean, it just saves so much money. But regardless, <laughs> I think there have been times when we have like done catering and, yeah. and all of that. And again, we're not being overly fancy. I just think that we now have, uh, we don't have a ton, but we have margin to make decisions that are right for our church at the time because we're stewarding it in the way that we think is, uh, differently than we've done before. And, and in our opinion now, hindsight's 2020, of course, more faithful. So anything else that like maybe another, one more sign that maybe someone's overstaffed. Yeah. And then I think if you don't have people in your church that are like volunteering in genuinely meaningful ways, uh, I think that recognizing like, yeah, and I get that people come and go Mm -hmm. in the church. And I would look at that and say, uh, oftentimes the reason that a pastor might be reluctant to leverage a volunteer is they're afraid, well, who's going to do it after them when they leave or that? And you're always prepared for that. And so a couple of things, one, people quit jobs too, all the time, Mm -hmm. especially in ministry. I I mean, right now, uh, every ministry site is hiring. Anyone on your staff could get a 
job anywhere they want to live probably right now. Mm -hmm. So just be aware of that. That doesn't solve the problem necessarily. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that it also puts you in a place where if you're not really leveraging volunteers in meaningful ways, it's time to like reevaluate some things. And mm -hmm. maybe you are paying too many people. I think for us, uh, we have volunteers that serve in a variety of capacities right now because uh, so much of that is for us on Sunday mornings mm -hmm. because we're a mobile church. Yeah. And so people have not been serving a ton lately, but even uh, a guy on our team, Matt, who'd been serving in worship, he's helped out with the video stuff. Yeah. Is he like the world's great, like is he St Steven Spielberg when it comes to video? He yeah. is not, but yeah. he's been faithful yeah. and he's worked on it real hard and all of those types of things. And that's what's important. Right. And so I think making sure that those people are plugged in and serving because that's what keeps them uh, connected and focused on the mission of your church. And so when you staff up all of those types of things, it really does rob that idea of the body of the church. You know, like mm -hmm. you might already have hands and feet and, and eyes and all of those types of things. And if you go out and buy shiny new ones, it'll make right. the existing ones feel one, get atrophied and also yeah. feel pretty worthless. That was good, man. Oof. Man, I feel like that was a strong. I need a nap. Seriously, you must be exhausted. Did you just leave your body for a second? I don't even know who I'm talking to right now. <laughs> was that was really, really good. All right. All right. So this week we talked all yeah. about the problem of yes. overstaffing. Next week we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk a little bit about kind of what gets us into this mess. Yeah. Some heart things. Yep. I think some external factors by yep. way of like recommendations from networks and denominations totally. and all that. We'll talk about how we get into that mess. And then in the third week, I think our plan is to talk about how then should we think about hiring Yep. Does that make sense? I love it. So, okay, cool. Well, as always, we want you to know that we count it an honor that you take time to listen to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, you can help us in uh, one of three ways or all three ways. First, subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. You can find From the Field on Apple, Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. So take just a second, hit that subscribe button. Second, you can leave a review wherever you listen. Reviews are one of the main factors that increase the visibility of podcasts on their various platforms. So even just a few words or even just that star rating makes a massive massive difference. Lastly, we'd love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, even though I hate Facebook and I'm pretty much never on there, at, at Ryan Hughley, that's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And at Tyler Dravitz, at D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you later, yo. Oh, that was a weird one. <laughs> <laughs>